1: You're listening to KFI AM 640, Wake Up Call, with me, Amy King, on demand on the iHeartRadio app. Merry Christmas. Thanks for waking up with us this morning. If you were up early, maybe you're cooking or just making some coffee, I hope your day is getting started off just wonderfully, because it's Christmas. So this Christmas morning, which is a time filled with hope and love and family and friendship— We wanted to highlight a girl who is filling the world with hope and love and changing lives, and she's not even old enough to drink. I love sharing stories like Hannah's. Hannah Karnick is a recent graduate of Sage Oak Charter High School. So, Hannah, please tell us about how you're helping kids and why you're doing it. Yeah, so when I was
3: in 8th grade or 7th to 8th grade, I started a charity called Hannah's Helpful Hands. And basically what it does is it works with students to provide them basic necessities like um, shirts and backpacks and socks and um, toiletry bags and hygiene bags. So it's a free closet inside of elementary schools. And so students can discreetly get these items so that, you know, they can have them. And it started by me having 15 foster siblings okay, and I wait, wait, wait,
1: wait wait 15 oh, foster siblings <laughs> yeah that's a am- so like all at the same time or over a, a period of years how did that all come together
3: that was over a period of time oh, okay so over over my whole 17 years of life yeah i've had 15 foster siblings
1: wow Okay. So I would imagine yeah. that there would be some challenges uh, along the way with that. And so you saw that there was a need for kids and said, I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I love that. And the program, you've been doing it since seventh or eighth grade. You recently graduated. So what, for yeah. six years? Yeah. Yeah,
3: for six years. Um, and it's been going on super strong. Um So far, I've expanded to 12 different schools. So it started in my former elementary school, and now it's at 12 different schools.
1: That's so great. And are all the schools in Anaheim, or where are they?
3: Um, Most of them are, they're in like Orange County. So they're kind of scattered, but most of them are in Anaheim, yeah.
1: Okay. And all of that wonderful work that you have done got uh, someone's attention, and you recently, recently were awarded the 18 Under 18 Award by the National Society of High School Scholars. So tell us about that and how excited were you to win that?
3: I was so excited to win that. You know, like, college is very expensive, and Mm so um, winning these types of scholarships has been, like, and winning this scholarship has been such such a blessing for me. And because of that scholarship, like, I don't have to work as much. Um, in school so that school is cheaper and uh-huh. now I can focus more on my studies and um, gaining more skills to learn how to better help these kids and and to work more with the schools and with the students.
1: Okay so you are working and you're going to school where are you going to school now? I go to Biola University. Good for you that's amazing yeah. so you're doing that and then you're also working with your Helpful Hands charity and making sure that that continues.
3: Yeah, yeah. So it's still, I went to school, Biola is near Anaheim, so it's not that far away, so I can still um, keep my charity going. But the cool thing is, is that I have had more people help me recently. So I've been able to take a few steps back and that's been super awesome, the way that people have also been helping.
1: That's great, because at some point you need to move on, focus on you, and take care of you so you can go change the world even more. If people want to donate, Hannah, is there a way for them to do that?
3: Yes. Um, you can actually just go to com, and it'll take you right, right to the donate page.
1: Okay. And what are you studying? I'm studying communications. Oh, good girl. Oh, you're going to come take my job one day. Yes, perfect. <laughs> she, she agreed. Not. <laughs> Hannah, I think you're really
3: good at your job, so oh you can gosh. keep it.
1: <laughs> Hannah Karnick, thank you so much. I, I'm so proud of you, and I hope you hear that a lot oh. for the rest of your life because, like I said, not all kids are doing great things, and you, my dear, are doing great things. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> all right, you take care. Okay, bye. All right, thank you so much, Hannah. You're welcome. Right. Yay, that was so fun. Oh, good. So we're going to, um, just so you know, um Okay. We're not gonna run it tomorrow because I wanna okay. have some time to to highlight it. So I think we'll probably okay. run it on Monday. Um, so it'll it's okay. Monday from five to six AM. And if you're not up, you can okay. you can listen to it on the iHeartRadio app at <laughs> any time. Just go and search Wake okay. Up call. Okay perfect oh, thank you so much Yep. oh and you know what Hannah can you do you have any like yeah. photos or something that you can email to us because we, we want to put it on our wake up call yeah. page too
3: yes totally do I send it to the same email that I've been yeah. emailing yeah just the um, one that, I don't know
1: what that one was okay so that's yeah that's Anne so just hit a reply all okay. and and, uh, and send that over and if you actually if you have any like logos of Hannah's helping hands that yes, would be great yes I do awesome okay. Yes, it's just send that all over, and like awesome. I said, we'll put it on the wake-up call page on our website, too. Okay, awesome. Yay, all that right. sounds exciting. Thank you so much, Okay, Anna. Much luck to you. You're so welcome. Bye. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye.
4: Amy's on it. Amy's on it. Amy's on it. Amy's on it.
1: What am I on? I am on a plethora Of streaming shows, because there's documentaries, there's series, there's movies, there's so much to see. How do you know what to see? And so lots of times I take recommendations from my friends, my family. They have good recommendations most of the time. Right now we're going to check out Lessons in Chemistry. It's on Apple TV. Stars Brie Larson. It was being released weekly, as Apple does. uh, But now the full season is out. So if you want to binge it, you can. So... Brie Larson plays a chemist who, because she's a woman in the 1950s, really struggles with it because she can only be a lab tech because women don't, they can't be lead scientists in the 1950s. The chemists she works with kind of treat her more like a secretary. She does make a mean cup of coffee because she's a chemist after all. Uh, It's a good character for Brie Larson. She is stoic. She's unemotional, yet scientifically incredibly curious. And you it's really great because I think she does, she's such a good actress. She does a really good job with this role. So you see her fall, you see her get up, you see her grow and you see her evolve. And I always like when they do that with a character arc, like the the character doesn't stay the same throughout the series. And she definitely does some evolving. Uh, It follows her journey from the lab to the kitchen where she ends up hosting a tv show called supper at six which we know from the very first episode because they launch it with her on tv so i'm not spoiling anything for you probably won't be another season the show pretty much comes to a satisfying end it was based on a book so it kind of encapsulates the book i would imagine i have not read the book um if they wanted to do another season i think they probably could but from what i'm hearing there aren't any talks right now to uh, see it but definitely worth the watch thought that was a really good one and then i as i as i tend to do when i start streaming stuff then i start searching around and I dived down rabbit holes and I did it yesterday because after I got done watching uh, the last episode of Lessons in Chemistry, I found Hannah Waddington's Home for Christmas. And, of course, Hannah Waddington was Rebecca on Ted Lasso. And so she does this Christmas special. It, again, is on Apple TV. It's only 45 minutes, so it's a pretty quick watch. And I will tell you that one is a good one. If you want to feel good about the Christmas season and just, you know, feel happy and joyous, This is the one to watch because her excitement and enthusiasm comes through in spades. And she's just beautiful. And boy, can she sing. And then it was really fun, too, because it was like the whole cast of Ted Lasso was there for the show. It was a live show in London at a theater. And it was really good. And then, as I mentioned, I went down that rabbit hole and I went, you know what? I really loved the Christmas episode of Ted Lasso. So I went and found that and watched that. And it reiterated my belief that Ted Lasso is Probably the best show on TV in the last 10 years. It's fabulous. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. If you have watched it, watch it again. Because, again, I watched the Christmas episode last night, and it still just made me smile. And if you need to feel good and you want to be happy, Ted Lasso is the way to do it. Again, on Apple TV. That's what I'm on this week. When we come back, I've got a great idea for how you can spend part of your holiday break relaxing with a good book by cnn's jake tapper yep we get to talk to jake tapper ho 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 it's your christmas morning wake up call on kfi am 640
2: you're listening to wake up call on demand from kfi am 640
1: i know it's really early to be up um on christmas and if you're working god bless you if you're headed to the (laughs) in-laws good luck But seriously, whatever you're doing up this early, thank you for making Wake Up Call part of your Christmas morning. So maybe you're up early to start cooking Christmas dinner. If you are starting this early, you're definitely an overachiever. So I did a little research and found out that Americans start cooking Christmas dinner at 9.36 a.m. on average. And Christmas dinner takes over three hours to prep. And I didn't know this because I know that on Thanksgiving a lot of people eat early, but I didn't realize a lot of people eat early on Christmas Day too. But apparently the ideal time to eat is 3.45 and then it'll take three days to eat up all the leftovers. Bon appétit. So in the King household, we usually do prime rib for Christmas dinner. And bless my mother's heart, she she used to get it wrong like every year like it would be way overcooked or just really raw but in the last few years i think she's really hit her stride and it comes out perfect every time so delicious i can't wait for christmas dinner so as i was talking about earlier the holidays are a good time to curl up with a good book and if it was colder here in la i'd say curl up by the fireplace but it's too warm so jake tapper has recently released a book it's called all the demons are here Is it sacrilege to say demons on Christmas? Anyway, uh, we got a chance to catch up with the author, Jake Tapper himself. Good morning, Jake.
4: Good morning. How are you doing?
1: Doing great. Now, with everything going on in the world, we could talk politics all day. And if you're listening, you might expect that. But we're not going to do that. We're going to take a break from all that. We'll just call it nastiness and talk about Jake's new book. You have written a book called All the Demons Are Here. And I literally just finished it last night. So I'm super excited to talk to you today.
4: Oh, thank you. I'm glad you, I'm glad you, I I assume if you finished it, then you liked it.
1: I did. And I'm going to tell you, there's several reasons I did like it, but of course the book has a lot of politics in it, but it's a thriller. And I will tell people that it kind of sucks you in from the very beginning. Do you want to give us a little intro to entice people to to, uh, what they might expect?
4: Sure. Well, first, the book takes place in one of the weirdest years in American history, 1977, this year that all this strange stuff legitimately happens. Uh, It is uh, the year that Studio 54 opens. Huge year for disco. Elvis dies. Evil Knievel is prominent. It's the summer of Sam, the son of Sam serial killer. Tabloid. Journalism is huge. Uh, cults are big in the United States. UFO sightings are happening all over the country. So it's a, it's a weird year. Um, I don't know how many people have read my two previous books, but those books tell the story of Charlie and Margaret Martyr. He's a, he's a congressman. She's a zoologist. This book is their adult kids. They're now oh, in their right. 20s, Ike and Lucy. Ike is an wall Marine, very disillusioned. With the country. He is uh, in Montana working on the pit crew of Evil Knievel. And okay, um, wait, 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 wait. Exploring... Jake, Jake,
1: So you've got, yeah. you weave Evil Knievel into the story.
4: Yes. He was this crazy stuntman who did these wild jumps. Uh, he jumped over Snake River, or he tried to anyway. It didn't really go yeah. very well, but he would jump over buses. Uh, and he was a huge. Uh, he was a huge celebrity in the 1970s, uh, and there is something very – and I, this is not meant in a pejorative way in, in any way, but there's something very Trumpian about him. He, is, he was this guy who had this tremendous bravado and salesmanship. He was able to really just uh, get draw a crowd um, based on his own charisma and his own celebrity, and I played with that a lot in the book. Now his sister Lucy, she's a journalist in Washington, and since this is the era of of uh, serial killers and tabloid journalists, I had her on the trail of a serial killer in Washington D.C. and working for a Rupert Murdoch-esque character who is starting a tabloid journal, uh, tabloid newspaper in Washington D.C. So she's kind of doing a whodunit. Uh, While her brother is working, you know, is working for Evil Knievel. And the stories converge at the end.
1: One of the things I was going to say, too, in reading it, it's interesting to see the parallels between how things were in 1977 and how they are today. And I kept reading going, well, that's still happening. Well, that's still happening. <laughs> I mean, like the more things change, the more they totally. stay, stay the same, I guess. Um, and then one of the main characters, Ike, as you mentioned, he speaks so lovingly about motorcycles, not only when he's riding with evil, but in other pari- uh, other areas. And I'm wondering, does that come from you? Or, are you a big motorcycle guy?
4: So. That is the biggest compliment you could give me. I have never ridden a motorcycle in my life, but um, I, uh, but I'm a writer. So I wrote, I, you know, so I, I, I did my best to try to convince people that I knew what I was talking about. And I also hired an editor who is an expert on motorcycles. And I said, please make, you know, help me make the sound like Ike knows what he's talking about because I don't know what I'm talking about. And he, and that editor helped me. Uh, make it sound and so it's not like you don't have to know anything about motorcycles to read the book but you know i wanted to make it seem as though ike in telling his stories uh uh, that that he did so thank that is a huge compliment thank you thank you very much i also had a woman editor go through lucy's chapters to make those sound as though they were written by a woman which i am also not
1: (laughs) and i also love the historical references i think you know you catch i would call them today i would call them like little easter eggs like i think i caught a reference to different strokes uh, uh the characters were different but the story was the same remember the the show that was on tv there's, a,
4: there's a, yeah there's a there is a an allusion to a different strokes esque yeah. sitcom yes that's that's exactly it's not exactly the show but yeah it, 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 Something like that. Yeah, 100%.
1: Ronald Reagan shows up in it. George Bush shows up at some point. Um, won't tell you when or why, because you, you were going to want to read it and find out. But it, in this crazy world, like all of this could have actually happened, which makes it even more fun.
4: The main thing is I just wanted to write a book that people thought was fun and wanted to know how it turned out and kept turning the pages because they cared about the characters and they wanted to see how it resolved itself. and. I mean, the main theme, the theme in all my books, the first one takes place in the 50s during the Joe McCarthy era. The second one takes place in the 60s with the Rat Pack and this one obviously in the 70s. And the main theme is always just I want you to love the main characters, the family, the martyr family, and have fun with the historical fiction and the historical characters. But at the end of the day, I want you just to love the martyr family and care about what happens to them in these thrillers
1: so and that's really interesting because i haven't read your first two books i will admit that but i did read this one cover to cover and you don't have to read the first two to get into this one so that's kind of cool but it also makes me want to go back and, and read the other ones and the other thing was that um like we were talking about how it it comes from ike's perspective and then lucy's perspective and the books moving along and last night when i was finishing it i was like Oh man, I've only got like forty pages left. Wait, no, I'm not ready for this book to come to an end. So it really, it is. It's fun and it was entertaining. And uh, so, bravo, Jake Tapper.
4: Well, that's so nice. It's really so so nice to hear. But the good news for you is now you can go back and and read about the first uh, the first years of Charlie and Margaret's uh, marriage uh, when yep. she's pregnant with Lucy, and then ah. uh, when Charlie and Margaret have an adventure. Uh, in with the Rat Pack uh, after they have had their two kids, but they get pulled out to California. That's the second book. So, so there, there is a little bit more. Although, although Ike and Lucy are not major characters in the first two books, but Charlie and Margaret are.
1: Okay, Jake Tapper, thank you so much for taking uh, the time to talk to us today, and much success with all the demons uh, are here. It was really a good read.
4: Thank you so much. It's so kind of you. I, really, I'm, I don't know if you can hear it, but I'm smiling. Thank oh, good. You so much.
1: All right, take care. Thank you so much.
4: Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.
1: It's a really fun read. I highly recommend it. And I'm definitely planning on reading his other books as well. When we come back, we're going to go knocking at the door of the tournament house in Pasadena to get the inside scoop on this year's Tournament of Roses Parade, which is now just one week away.
2: You're listening to Wake Up Call On Demand from KFI AM 640
4: ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: So it is one week until the Tournament of Roses Parade, as we all know. It's an institution and pretty much loved around the world. And it's right in our own backyard. I mean, how lucky are we? So we wanted to find out more about the parade, where it came from, what's in store for this year. So we headed over to the Wrigley Mansion, the tournament house in Pasadena. Let's see if someone's home. Hi, Amy. Hi, look at there. It's Alex Agajanian. Come on in. Just happens to be the president of the Tournament of Roses. Alex, you get to come and work here every day.
5: I get to come here quite a bit. That's exciting. This is the home of the Pasadena Tournament of Roses Association. It has been our home since the mid-50s.
1: And this is where all the magic happens and you start planning for this amazing event that's coming up. And so let's talk about the parade. It's well, if we have to, it, <laughs> if we absolutely have to, how long has the parade been going on?
5: Since eighteen ninety.
1: So this is the one hundred and thirty fifth parade. Okay, and when when it started out, like, do we know how many floats there were in the parade? There really weren't floats. There okay. were
5: carriages and buggies and all sorts of things that the families that lived in the area used, and they went to their garden and they took their flowers and their plants and decorated those carriages and all that. And it started as a way to show the East Coasters who were buried in snow. Yeah. You come out to California and look what we we're doing out here. So it was just a floral parade. They started with buggies and carriages.
1: That's amazing. And then when was it first televised?
5: 1947, I believe. Um, I believe KTLA was the first uh, station to televise it. It went on the radio about 1925 mm-hmm. when it went coast to coast. And that's when the parade started getting its footing as a... a, a uh, statewide parade that people wanted to hear about.
1: Okay, so now we know that there are are big parades. There's the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which is Mm -hmm. another big one. Mm -hmm. But the Tournament of Roses Parade is so spectacular and unique because it's all about live things.
5: Correct, so our floats have a requirement that they have to be decorated with something that's alive or should have been alive or could have been alive. Right. Okay, so seeds and all those things are on there, but anything that was alive. Our horses are also decorated sometimes with flowers (laughs) and all that. And our marching bands don't really decorate that way. Although this year we have a band in the parade from uh, Westchester, Pennsylvania that is marching down the street with floats around it and all that. And flowers, and their banners are all flowers. So it's something we should look for this year in the parade.
1: Okay, and how many bands participate? 21. And how do they get picked? Do they submit entries, or do you just kind of look around and say, that one's good, that one's good, how's that done?
5: So the president and the president's family has a final say-so on the bands that are in the parade.
1: Oh, wait a second. So you are the last line there? Uh, with a lot of help. Okay, all right.
5: And we have a music committee. Mm -hmm. And so the music committee starts about two years before the parade they're gonna march in, accepting applications. They screen them and then make a presentation to the president and the president's family. And at the presentation, the president then decides what band or bands are gonna be in the parade.
1: Okay. And you have a wide variety of bands. I know that uh, we were talking earlier before we start. before you and I started talking, Mm -hmm. uh, we were talking to Candy and she was showing us the curio cabinet that has tchotchkes from the different places that you've gone to, because you go to each of the places where a band comes from to visit them. Correct. And um, so where are some of the bands from this year?
5: So we have three international bands, Costa Rica, Japan, and England. Okay. And then we have the remainder bands from throughout the United States.
1: Okay. And there's a very special band this year, from Hawaii. There is. And can you tell us a little about that and why it's special that they're here this year?
5: So the Hawaii band is a composite band and one of the groups that are in the band is from Maui. Uh And those Maui kids, as you know from the fires, suffered a great deal. Absolutely. About 10 of them when we visited aren't coming this year. Uh, Their homes were destroyed, their instruments were destroyed, and their poor families just can't afford it. Yeah. Um, I'm hopeful that they had found a way to come, but it's just that it didn't happen. Yeah. And so we're going to celebrate those kids. Uh, I know Japan is going to do a concert, mm-hmm. a Japanese band. Uh-huh. It's going to do a concert to support the Hawaiian band and more p- particularly the kids from Maui.
1: That's great. And so it's so fun because all of the bands have a story. And then, of course, there's the floats that are so fantastic. So give us a little sneak peek of some of the floats that that maybe caught your eye a little extra special. I know they're all special.
5: So we have two flyovers in the parade. Okay. Okay. The first one is the traditional bomber and its escort this year. of have two planes in the first one. And then the second one is coding for veterans, the float they have. Yep. They're going to, uh, in addition to their float, they're going to have a flyover with vintage World War II planes.
1: Oh, cool.
5: Okay. So we haven't had two flyovers in my recent memory. Uh huh. And then we have a whole number of floats because of the theme that have musical acts on them. The Cowgirl channel has got musical acts, all women, mm-hmm. a, a, a cowgirl group on the float and 25 equestrian units riding around it. Um, there is a 43 foot tall bear. It's riding behind me uh-huh. in the parade. Thank God it's a unit behind me. <laughs> um, Cal Poly Pomona's got an undersea concert with manta rays and all that. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, there's just a lot of really fun things to come see. Uh, we have four entertainment units in the parade. Okay. Um, you're going to be surprised on at Honda is the opening show and how their, their float is really cool. It's, it's a futuristic design. It's really, really cool. You know, the mansion group is closing the parade and they've got some real good talent. Um, in all these units, uh, there is an 180 foot long equestrian unit, Smokey Bear. I say Smokey the Bear, but I was corrected the it other is day. Smokey
1: Bear. Well, I like the Bear. I know.
5: You know, you gotta set the table for the Bear. There's a song that says Smokey the Bear. <laughs> Come on. You know, he's in the parade this year. Okay. Uh, with his units, about 180 feet long. We have a five unit float. Um, from Newport Beach in the parade that's a little shorter than Smokey's unit. Okay. But it's also a long unit. And it's that's five
1: separate. Five
5: separate units. Carriages going as, the as opposed oh, yeah. to the
1: one. one. And I think one of the things that is so cool when you're watching the... The floats is like you were saying that everything has to have something that was live, it's or natural, organic, and the movement that they get, especially like when they show the animals. Like I, I saw that there's one, it's gonna, there's going to be a lion on there somewhere, and I'm, I can't wait to see the mane and the, the. the the flowers or the plants that they use to get that movement and make it look so realistic.
5: Well, I'd be lying to you if I wasn't telling you it's spectacular.
1: (laughs) And then we have our grand marshal and the theme for this year is celebrating a world of music. So only appropriate that our grand marshal is
5: correct. The grand marshal is Audrey McDonald's. Don't tell anybody.
1: I think we had we had that announcement already. We did. Yeah. When did that happen?
5: I'm just kidding. I, I think it was kidding. a couple
1: weeks ago, Alex. I think Alex, I did it. But there is a new announcement of somebody who's going to be performing.
5: W- uh, for the closing show?
1: Yes. Yes. And that is?
5: Jordan Sparks.
1: And what is she going to be doing?
5: She's going to be singing on the mansion float, the closing act.
1: Oh, that's what a great way to end the parade. Right. Okay. So for people watching, when is the parade? When does it start?
5: January 1st. Yeah, of, oh, of course. At new eight, Year's Day. Eight, 8 o'clock in the morning.
1: And it lasts for about how long? About two hours. Okay.
5: We finish within an uh, hour and 57 minutes
1: okay and then for people who want to come and take a look at the floats because you see them on tv or if you are at the parade you you get to see them going by but seeing them up close is really a pretty cool thing and you can do that after the parade's over
5: you can we exhibit the floats at float fest after the parade Uh, this year it's a day and a half long and you can come in and tour the park and see the floats up close
1: awesome can't wait i'm so excited for this year's parade thank you so much for your time alex
5: you're welcome pleasure to be with you
1: I can't wait for the parade. It's just one week from today. And last week we got to go and tour some of the parade floats and get to see how they're put together. So, so interesting. They're going to be spectacular this year. When we come back, our very own Steve Gregory is going to take a look at Lightscape, which goes on through January 2nd at the L.A. Arboretum. It's your Christmas morning wake-up call on KFI AM 640.
2: You're listening to Wake Up Call On Demand from KFI AM 640.
1: I'm Amy King. Hope you're having a great start to your Christmas day. And uh, I know it's still kind of early, but you might even be starting to open presents right now. We're going to wait until a little later in the day for that. If you're looking for something to do during the week between Christmas and New Year's, here's something that will literally light up your night. Steve Gregory headed out to Arcadia for an immersive experience at the L.A. County Arboretum that features more than one million
2: lights. It's called Lightscape and features colorful art installations from around the world with one thing in common, lights. Lightscape
0: is uh, is a illuminated path through culturally significant
2: gardens. It started in Europe, in the U.K. Greg Curtis is the regional producer for the show and also handles the San Diego production. Lightscape is nestled in the middle of the Arboretum and is designed so people can take a leisurely walk through the exhibits. We
0: have Zoe Botrell who's the artistic director, and she curates the entire trail. So we start in August. We all walk the trail together, and she comes up with a map of what she, where she thinks
2: the the installation pieces will fit. Yep,
0: yeah, no, it's excellent. Hey,
2: we had a chance to get a tour of the show but in the daylight during setup so
0: yeah we're just starting the trail everybody will come through the main entrance of the garden and then proceed down here we'll already have uh, a little bit of light happening in this tree you can see it's lit up it's a pea light tree typical kind of scenario we'll have a little we'll have music that starts right over here it's uh about an hour long loop of music and then right here we have our concessions area so you can eat drink get some uh swag from the event. And then it's of course it's decorated. We have these wonderful moving lights that go over that fountain um, and kind of light up the whole area.
2: Do you also keep in mind about how long it would take the average person to get through it?
0: Yeah, we want to keep it to about a little over an hour for, for a family of four to walk through, right? And keep a really consistent pace. I think that's a good amount of time. And, uh, you know, everybody seems to enjoy it. Everybody moves in a single direction, so we don't encourage people to go backwards on the trail. We just keep people flowing through the
2: experience. Greg takes his work very seriously and is passionate about the show. And as we continue on the path, we come upon one of the more popular stops, the Winter Cathedral. In daylight, it's simply a long and arched framing with thousands of lights. So
0: there's things that happen in there. You know, people uh, ask their beloved to marry them often inside of this. So we'll stop and they'll do a a proposal.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's the one that it's in all the flyers. Yeah, it's their signature piece. We stop for a moment and walk through the arch. Walk through and just see what it looks like. It's hard to get a sense of the wow factor in the daylight, but if you've ever seen pictures or video, it's pretty spectacular. We hop back on the ATV and continue the tour. Oh, yeah, okay. We see someone working in the garden. How are you? Nice to meet you. Don't get up. Don't, Sydney's electrician. Is this one of those things like where one Christmas light goes out, the whole thing thing goes out?
0: Uh, no, these are a little bit more sophisticated than that. We have a lot of lights here, so we're able to replace individual. Lights.
2: What's the biggest challenge as an electrician on this project?
0: It's a lot of cable. (laughs) It's a lot of cable and a lot of electricity we're dealing with. We have a a number of generators that we're running to, so it's about mapping out where everything's going and making sure that we are within the limits.
2: And how many generators do you think you have here? Seven, I believe. Yeah, seven. From here, we get out of the ATV and go for a walk. That's where we meet Dan, another electrician with the show. These types of bulbs now with these LEDs and that, that doesn't pull nearly the wattage not as the old incandescent really. or anything, these right? These are like
0: 80 watts, even at their max full power. And since we're usually only running single colors in a lot of the variety of sections that you see, they they draw even fractions of that. Um, There are some real big panels that you'll see around the the park that are out on the ground. Those are up to around 850 watts if you're running them at full. But that's just because they're they're giant blasters. They're things to give bright washes of color all over the place.
2: We keep walking when we come up on a really bizarre setup. It's a tall square frame with hundreds of cables hanging from the interior, and each of those has dozens of lights embedded into the cable. It's called a uh, submersion,
0: and obviously you get a pixel map uh, in 3D space that you can walk through, and you can kind of touch and feel, and it's an immersive
2: experience. And it's not music, it's just a, a tone or a sound, right? Yeah, this
0: is kind of like a soundscape in the lightscape,
2: right? Wow.
0: So at night you can you really feel like you're traveling through space. So we'll do this again and it'll be totally different. With
2: the light. With the
0: light.
2: As we head back to the start of the tour, Greg tells me he hopes Lightscape becomes an annual holiday tradition for families with all the proceeds going to a good cause the care and maintenance of the Arboretum. For Wake Up Call, I'm Steve Gregory, KFI News.
1: Thanks, Steve. So Lightscape is closed for Christmas today, but it's going to be open every day from tomorrow through Tuesday, January 2nd. And I got to go see it. I loved it. I've been twice this year. To get your tickets, you can go to arboretum.org. Highly recommend it. We're going to wrap up our Christmas morning wake up call with something I hope will bring a smile to you this early Christmas morning. It's a politically correct night before Christmas. Twas the night before Christmas, and Santa's a wreck. How to live in a world that's politically correct. His workers no longer would answer to elves. Vertically challenged, they were calling themselves. And labor conditions at the North Pole were alleged by the union to stifle the soul. Four reindeer had vanished without much propriety, released to the wilds by the Humane Society. And equal employment had made it quite clear that Santa had better not use just reindeer. So Dancer and Donner, Comet and Cupid were replaced with four pigs. And you know, that looked stupid. The runners had been removed from his sleigh. The ruts were termed dangerous by the EPA. And people had started to call for the cops when they heard sled noises on their rooftops. Secondhand smoke from his pipe had his workers quite frightened. His fur-trimmed red suit was called unenlightened. And to show you the strangeness of life's ebbs and flows, Rudolph was suing over unauthorized use of his nose and had gone on Kelly Clarkson in front of the nation, demanding millions in overdue compensation. So half of the reindeer were gone, and his wife, who suddenly said she'd enough of this life, joined a self-help group, packed and left in a whiz, demanding from now on her title was Ms., And as for the gifts, why, he'd ne'er had a notion that making a choice could cause so much commotion. Nothing of leather, nothing of fur, which meant nothing for him and nothing for her. Nothing that might be construed to pollute, nothing to aim, nothing to shoot, nothing that clamored or made lots of noise, nothing for just girls or just for the boys. Nothing that claimed to be gender-specific, nothing that's warlike or non-pacific. No candy or sweets, they were bad for the tooth. Nothing that seemed to embellish a truth. And fairy tales, while not yet forbidden, were kind of like Yeezys, better off hidden. For they raised the hackles of those psychological who claimed the only good gift was one ecological. No baseball, no football, someone could get hurt. Besides, playing sports exposes kids to dirt. Dolls were said to be sexist and should be passé, and Xbox would rot your poor brain away. So Santa just stood there, disheveled, perplexed. He just could not figure out what to do next. He tried to be merry, he tried to be gay, but you've got to be careful with that word today. His sack was quite empty, limp to the ground. Nothing fully acceptable was to be found. Something special was needed, a gift that he might give to all without angering the left or the right. A gift that would satisfy with no indecision each group of people, every religion, every ethnicity, every hue, everyone, everywhere, even you. So here is that gift. It's price beyond worth. May you and your loved ones enjoy peace on earth. And just like that, our time is done. Wake Up Call always goes by so fast for me. This has been your Christmas morning Wake Up Call. Thank you so much for starting your Christmas day with us, wherever you are and whatever you're doing and whomever you are with. On behalf of Producer Anne and Board Engineer Kono, have a very Merry Christmas. This is KFI AM 640 and KOST HD2, Los Angeles, Orange County. You've been listening to Wake Up Call with me, Amy King. You can always hear Wake Up Call 5 to 6 a.m. Monday through Friday on KFI AM 640 and anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app.